0: Yeah.
1: Well, if you feel it, bloom, baby, bloom. let your soul bloom, baby, right on, right on, bloom, baby, bloom. find out where your soul
0: belongs, bloom, baby, bloom. Bloom, 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 baby, bloom. Happy 2019 and welcome to the 170 fifth episode of the good stuff kids podcast i'm your host mike mason this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families and today's show is a big one this is one of those ones that i didn't know if it would ever happen i just kind of was biding my time i i didn't know how to reach this particular person Uh, i want to uh You know, see what was going on, but luckily, I have a great relationship with Stephanie Myers from Myers Consulting, who was on a past episode. Go to my website, GoodStuffPod.com, and look her up. It was a great conversation, and she knows this particular person, Dan Zanes, really well. In fact, she represents him, and Dan is—I think it's safe to say—he's one of the uh, one of the sort of topper upper topper upper upper echelon sorts of folks in the kids and music industry. Lots of people really look up to him. He's a an immensely um, generous collaborator and generally kind person, as you will hear in this interview, like more than a little kind, like a lot of kind. And it was really cool to talk to him and hear his story, but not just talk to him. I also talked to his wife, Claudia Eliaza, who is a, uh, a a therapist who does a lot of work with kids. And, and we talked a lot about creating sensory friendly experiences for kids. And that's appropriate because the, the latest album from Dan and Claudia and their collaborator, Yuri, Uriana Sobrino, apologies if I said that wrong, is an album called Night Train 57, which is a sensory friendly comic, like rock opera kind of there's a lot going on and it's really fun that song you just heard is called bloom baby bloom and it's from that record you can hear the whole song at the end of the episode it was a pleasure to talk to dan and Eliaza. they really sort of made it very very easy and very very pleasant for me um i was uh i was a little bit in um i was a little starstruck to be honest because dan zanes has had a lot of uh a lot of great uh, success in the music industry, not just kids and families, but as the former frontman for the, Dwell- the Del Fuegos, who are the 1984 Rolling Stone Rock and Roll Newcomer Band of the Year. Did you know that? Well, now you do. He was also on uh, Mark Marin's podcast, WTF, which, in my opinion, is the top of the heap. It's my very favorite one of all, outside of the ones that I do and outside of the ones that I've been on. So, like, after all the—oh, and outside of the ones that my friends from Kids Listen do as well. So, outside of all of those— uh that's my favorite okay that's fair um so happy new year 175 episodes a billion more to come we got a lot in the can a lot going on and uh it's really still the best thing i do to be able to do this and i hope you enjoy it and if you do hey a uh, a um, comment or a uh, rating or a subscription on the old apple podcast app would be great or stitcher or wherever you get your pods doesn't matter um You can find all the old episodes at GoodStuffPod.com. They're all there. They're all for free. You can email me, Mike, at GoodStuffPod.com. You can find me on social media, the at symbol, GoodStuffPod. I know you don't want to hear any more about me. So let's talk to Dan and Claudia. Sounds great. Talk to you at the end of the show. Good stuff. It's Amazing and sort of on my end, my end only, a comedy of errors. Uh, but we've gotten through it, and it is my <laughs> tremendous honor and and true privilege to welcome Dan Zanes and Claudia Eliaza to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you today?
2: We're doing great. Thanks for having us.
0: Oh. Comedy is good. <laughs> yeah, comedy is good, unless you're me and you're flailing around and maybe slightly <laughs> sweaty. Um but I'm glad. you know, we all like comedy. Comedy is a good thing. So it is so cool to to get to talk to you and to hear uh both of your stories and and hear a little bit about where you're coming from and talk about what you're doing and and so I, I guess like let's let's set the scene a little bit. Where are you all right now?
2: Um we are right now in our home in Brooklyn, New York.
0: Okay, cool. I've heard of Brooklyn. Nice place. Where's <laughs> You're lying on the bed if you need to know. <laughs> the yeah, bed, the yeah. bed is
1: made. Uh huh. Fully,
0: fully clothed. Okay. Bed is made. There's a ceiling fan. Cool. And it's
1: hot. It's the only cool place in the house. Oh right? yeah. Um, well, I.
0: Wasn't I didn't need to know, but I'm glad I do know because now it really helps me. <laughs> like I'm I'm getting comfortable too. It's about uh, 92 degrees and 100 percent humidity here in Houston where I am. So mm-hmm. we're uh, we'll, we'll deal with this heat together. So yeah. So Dan, you're you're a, a figure that is well known, but I think for some people they may not know where you're coming from. And so I think it'd be really cool to hear a little bit of your backstory and how you got to, to this place in your career.
1: Sure. I can, I I can, I can boil it right down. I think when I was, when I was, when I was about eight, I lived in New Hampshire and I got turned on to lead belly, um, African-American 12 string guitar player. And that made me want to play guitar. And I, I grew up listening to folk music. And then I left, then I, then I found Chuck Berry, and that seemed like folk music too. And I ended up playing in a rock and roll band. That's how I I wasted my youth. <laughs> and um, it just that just seemed like loud folk music to me uh-huh. uh, because. And when I think about folk music, I think about music that people make with each other. You know, you make it for social social purposes. And um, and so I did that through my through my twenties, and then um, in the nineties. My daughter, who's now 23, was born, and I wanted to make the kind of music that I grew up listening to. In other words, the type of music that Lead Belly made that turned me on, I wanted to make music that was in that spirit. Um, and so I, when I think of that, I think of um, music that sounds like it's, uh, you know, it's from a variety of places, old songs, new songs, played in an individual style, sounds like it was recorded in the kitchen, that type of thing. Um, I wanted to make that for my daughter so that it could be sort of a shared experience. You know, in other words, when I listen to Lead Belly's music, no matter what age I am, wherever I am in life, I can I can identify with those songs and I find something in those songs. And that's the kind of music that I was always interested in making for families. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think a Lead Belly is sort of the father of modern family music and he certainly was my, my big inspiration. And so I've been kind of chasing that down <laughs> since
0: I was eight years old. Sure. Um, and you, but you put out a record just last year of, these are all Lead Belly songs.
1: They're songs that Lead
0: Belly made
1: popular and uh-huh. the songs that Lead Belly played for children. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of performing for, for young audiences and mm-hmm. that's something that people don't necessarily know about him but uh, you know when i went to the lead belly family and estate and and spoke with them about doing this record you know i wanted to get their blessing and they said that they were happy that you know they were they were in support of of me anyway as an artist but they were happy that that this was being done because they felt like the prison narrative overshadowed so much of what lead belly was about mm-hmm. so this is just you know just one way of of Trying to highlight something that was really important to Lead Belly. he really had an emotional connection to young audiences. Huh,
0: interesting, uh, I did not know that fact about Leadbelly, but it's uh, it's fascinating to think that like where the roots of the roots come from, you know, the roots, roots, and uh, just thinking about the impact that that's had on you and your career, and how you want to approach the music to um, to take that and. To share that with the next generation and sort of honor the uh, honor those that came before is an is an amazing thing. That's really an amazing thing. So, thanks for sharing that, um, Claudia. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So yeah, like Dan, I was raised in Manchester, New Hampshire, right next door. And my early introduction to music was really in the church. That's where my roots were were planted. And um, you know, singing in junior choir and the church choir, belt choir eventually. And then um, right before my high school year, my family moved to Northern California, the Bay Area, where I pursued music in school and I was introduced to jazz music. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me on a high level. Um, I'd heard nothing like that before then and it really connected with me. So I pursued a jazz career for quite some time. And then, long story short, moved to Southern California where I was in a performing arts group. Um, really worked a nonprofit working with kids in schools and keeping music programs strong in schools that had compromised music programs. And in that time, I'd say um, in working with the youth and working with
0: young adults,
2: I saw the power of music and the impact that music could have on the lives of of kids. Um, And so shortly after that, I decided that I was going to, fully pursue a a, a degree in music therapy. So then I went to Berklee College of Music where I earned my degree in music therapy. And then from that time on, I was a board-certified music therapist practicing in the Boston area, working with kids in early intervention, again, seeing that power of music and how how much it really helped individuals in their um, early childhood development all the way through adulthood. Um, So working, again, with kids all the way up to um, senior... Senior citizens, mm-hmm. and um, and then two years ago from yesterday, um, <laughs>
0: oh.
2: I, <laughs> two years ago from yesterday, I was introduced to Dan um, by a mutual friend of ours who I went to college with, and I happened to be out here for Labor Day weekend, and that afternoon just. Ended up being such a magical time. We, we came to Dan's place where we ended up making music for, I, gosh, I don't know, five to seven hours. We just created <laughs> wow. um, music, the three of us together. It sounded incredible. We decided then and there that we wanted to keep doing this. Um, and so we created our trio in that moment. And then, um, the rest is history. Dan and I have been making music ever since then. And, um, we shortly after that, we had our first date in Chicago where we had our <laughs> first sensory friendly performance um at the old town school of folk um mm-hmm. and so ever since then we have been performing together and we got married <laughs> all right
0: that's that's the true that's the truest partnership amazing um <laughs> that's great right. um, so, it is it's unbelievable yeah it's, it sounds like a a pretty magical um period of time for both of you um so claudia can you explain a little bit and i know that this is a very very broad question but I think that um, people who listen to the show may not exactly know what music therapy is. Mm. So would you mind uh, just describing a little bit about what, that's, what that yeah.
2: is? Yeah. So music therapy, So, the way it's administered, it's a board-certified music therapist. as the relationship between, of course, the client or participants, groups, individuals, um, with a music therapist where we're addressing sort of like non-musical goals through music. So. For example, with kids, I might be working on activities of daily living. We might be working on things like um, how to count the change in your pocket, how to remember your phone number, how to um, express yourself in a way outside of just words, you know, because I work with a lot of nonverbal individuals too. So goals might be um, developmental goals, academic goals. Um, it really depends on the individual, the groups that we're working at, but in a nutshell, it's using musical interventions to address these, these non-musical goals.
0: Okay. And is it like, so is it, so I'm thinking about this and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm thinking about, you know, like all all different kinds of learners, right? There are people who learn through like being active and there are people who are great at math and and people who, Mm -hmm. you know, have to experience things and people who learn through music. Is it, is the idea that you are sort of, and again, this is my just ignorance and I apologize for it, but like, no. are, are you like singing songs and that's the way to connect these sort of life skills and building these skills? Or am I way oversimplifying yeah. it?
2: You know, no, you know, you're, you're on the right path. Some, for some individuals, it is that. Cause like you said, people connect to music in a number of different ways. So I'm working with folks who are also nonverbal, so they might not be able to sing along with me so we might explore instrument play we might explore movement we might explore music through through various ways um you know and then i um, also working with folks with like physical challenges too so there might be goals that I set for an individual if we're working on dexterity or we're working on gross or fine motor movement I might use music let's for, say for example using a mallet and how we're going to cross our midsection how we're going to play the drum this way to strengthen areas that need to be worked on. So it is using music. It is sometimes writing songs. I do a lot of original songwriting with, with, um, participants, um, improvisation in the moment. Um, it really depends. So once I'm, I'm working with somebody, we kind of decide on what the sort of track is going to be, the interventions that are going to be used for that individual, but everything is tailored for that. Individual, awesome. you know, focused mostly on the, uh, the ability versus the disability is what I
0: would say too. Right, right. Oh, c- cool. Thank you for that. Um, so, yeah. it, so I, I think this idea, and Dan, we're going to turn back to you for for a moment here. The idea of of collaboration, which is clear that um, something that you all do very very well in in a number of <laughs> different facets of your life. Um, <laughs> But but Dan, you also you know as someone who I think a lot of people and I think just to be honest, it, it's important to be honest about this. People really look up to you in um, in in the kids and family music industry, and I think that um, something that you do that that sort of brings people in. I mean, it's it's going to be pretty obvious, but like you you are a champion collaborator. Um, I, I, just, I just talked to, um, to Danny from hot peas and butter yesterday and you're on the first track of his album. And, um, so, and then I'm looking at the, the people that you've had on the, um, on the lead belly record. And obviously I'm drawn to, uh, asking you what Chuck D is like, but I think that before we get yeah. to, to, that, to that much of a specific question, like why is collaboration musically important to you? Um, well, that's great. Uh,
1: thanks for asking that question. I feel like that's been one of the blessings of this whole, of this whole thing for me was that I never felt like the world needed a CD of Dan Zanes original songs or or a CD of Dan Zane singing every you know every every line of every tune either. But but one of the things that I could do was to create conditions that would Give everybody some space, and that would make the music much, much better. So we always wanted to make music that sounded like the neighborhood. And when I did Rocketship Beach, the neighborhood included Cheryl Crow. You know, she lived right around the corner <laughs> from me. Yeah, but but it also included a group of West Indian uh, babysitters that were that I would hang out with in the park, and they were teaching me songs. Uh-huh. And so. It was, and, and that's the beautiful thing too, is I love the celebrity guests, but I also love the, the the guests that are there that are singing on their first record or, you know, sometimes it's the kids, but it it just makes the music better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the thing about, I, I came out of uh, the tradition, the, you know, the white rock and roll tradition of, you know, four white men. Mm-hmm. playing two guitars, drums, and bass, you know, and I think about that now, and there's nothing about that I would want to return to because I've had this other experience that's so much more, so much more interesting, and it's, it's well beyond what I could ever cook up in my own head. So no. the collaborations, they, these collaborations create music that I, I you know, it, that I never had ima- was able to imagine. Right.
0: And I think that there's something about, and I'm going to try to phrase this in as a question. I'm not sure it actually is, but when you are in the position that you're in and you are collaborating with someone like the ability to be open and hear their ideas and not just dictate what's going to happen, I think is a, is a really important quality. Um, Is that something that you work consciously at? Or is that like a, uh, just sort of a, this is who I am. This is Dan Zanes' kind of kind of thing.
1: No, it has to be that it's. Um, it has to be. It, it has to be bigger than me, or else no. You know, nobody wants to come to that party where I'm <laughs> just giving giving everybody the script and 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 t- telling them what to do. and the music's not as good. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I'm, I learned that pretty pretty early on that people came in whether they were new to their instruments and we've got a lot of people that you know that have played on these records that are fairly new um and you know people that are that are fresh with an instrument have ideas that i'm i I couldn't i couldn't access because i've been doing it for too long you know so there's something beautiful about that too Mm -hmm. um there's just everybody's got so much to offer you know like i said if i can create conditions where we can all get together and do some things um you know it's 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 a beautiful organic process. And, um, Claudia and I, and now, you know, now Claudia and I get to experience that all the time, every day. And it's, you know, now, and this is sort of the, the beginning of a new chapter, which is really nice, you know, that I had that 15 years of making those kind of records and now Claudia and I are really operating as a, as a duo in every way. And, And what an unbelievable, New, you know, I mean, I thought having two chapters in my musical life was incredible, but now there's a third and, you know, how blessed am I? (laughs) Oh, that is so
0: nice. That is so nice. Um, okay. So here's a, a little bit of, um, I guess this is, I would qualify this under the, uh, the sort of music nerd sort of file, if you will. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I see in the, the songs that you've played and in the records that you've made, there's just such a breadth, like B-R-E-A-D-T-H, like just a hu- vast spectrum of, of music that you know Right. Like, it's just music that's part of your life and music that, you know, I'm looking at, like, think of like My Creole Bell, Trains Are Coming, Erie Canal, like all of these sort of older bluesy folk kinds of songs. And And what is like what goes into the musical education and not like the notes that you play, but like the music that you hear, like, how do you go about discovering or 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 researching or finding this music that's so important to you. That might be the weirdest and lamest question, but I'm just like so curious about how how you found it.
1: Yeah, well, that's, you know, that it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that you've probably I mean, I don't I can't imagine you're doing this podcast if you don't have a similar lifestyle too. <laughs> you know, so many of us were just passionate about we're passionate about music and we go try and go as deep as we can. And Claudia and I just had an incredible experience. Um, uh, we were approached by quarto publishers last year, uh, about doing a song book, which we just finished. It's coming out in December and it's 64 songs that have appeared on the CDs, mostly traditional, some original, some public domain. And, uh, and so putting these songs together was really, uh, and you know, it's an indicator of this 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 kind of crazy quilt, this multicultural country that we live in, and what makes it strong and what makes it beautiful and interesting. And to look at the music as a way into that uh, view of of this society, you know, it's just it's such a joyful thing. But putting this book together, man, it was it was humbling because there's you know, we've got a lot of nice songs up our sleeves that we can break out at (laughs) parties.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it allows us to go deeper as well. Just, you know, doing more research and understanding what these songs were about then, what they mean today, you know, just, just going deeper was really
0: powerful too. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to, to this new, the new record, Night Train 57. And there's more to it than music. Like there's, there's purpose behind it, not just the music, but the experience. And I'd love to hear, um, what brought you to creating this record in the way that you created it?
1: Yeah. Well, the thing, when I met, when I met Claudia, I I had recently had an experience down in Pennsylvania, Uh, at the Ware Center and they asked if I would do a sensory-friendly show and I said sure but I didn't know what sensory-friendly was and and what I realized in doing the show was it's a way for presenters to uh, you know speaking of creating conditions it's it's also creating conditions that make a more comfortable environment for not only the general audience that comes to shows, but also to open that door wider so that people on the autism spectrum, for example, or people with sensory uh, sensitivities sensitivities, um, can feel comfortable in the space as well. Um, And so we, Claudia suggested that we make all our shows sensory friendly moving forward. You know, once we got together and, and really kind of committed to performing with each other and, um, and that led us to the Kennedy Center, and and um, you know because we would call Betty Siegel at the Kennedy Center. They kind of wrote the book on sensory friendly, and uh-huh. so we would um, you know we would call them up and they, you know say, "Oh, you know, we're playing in Chicago. Would you <laughs> would you be able to speak to the presenter for a minute and help them understand it because they they're interested?" Yeah. and and, I, and you know we we found that every single presenter we spoke with was interested and willing to do our show as a sensory-friendly performance, Um, you know, which is beautiful just in itself that it's, you know, it's one of those good ideas It's all about the information. Once people have the information, they'll sign on, you know.
2: And we found that overall our shows have just been enhanced. They've just been so incredible to look out and to see people from all different walks of life sharing in this musical experience together. It's like once you experience that, you can't really go back.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, and I think that there's, there's something about, uh, this is sort of like, a, um, a platform that I stand on. And I think that accommodations that you make for, for kids or people with, you know, sensory issues, you know, accommodations to, to make those folks feel comfortable. That's not just for those, you know, identifying on the, the autism spectrum or with sensory processing, it's good for everyone. Um, exactly. and And I'd be curious to know, like, what are some of the, some of the ways that you make the show, uh, sensory friendly? Because I think about, you know, like a, you know, for lack of a better word, like a rock show and what are you going to do and how are you going to make some changes to accommodate everyone?
2: Well, everyone responds to music in their own way, right? There's not one way to be in music. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say our show changes per se, it's really, again, like Dan said, it's the conditions, it's the environment. So we're working hand in hand with the staff, with the presenters, with the venue. Um, You know, we're looking at things like the lighting, you know, making sure that there's adequate amounts of lighting for folks to move around safely should they want to get up, should they want to dance, should they want to, you know, just boogie on down. Would they have the space to do that? They can see where they're going. Um, We're looking at things like the decibel levels, the volume levels of of the music that we're performing. Um, We might work with the ushers in terms of just being maybe a little bit more lenient on the rules, that people can move, people can get up um, and engage openly, Mm -hmm. whether that's vocally, whether that's through dance and movement, um, and pacing, whatever that is, whatever your way of engaging in music is, that that's welcome. And then we also try to make sure that there's a space, too, um, for folks that might get overly stimulated by the music. There might be folks who just need a little break, so a chill-out space, if that's possible, too, is, is always a good thing to to consider.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. And, and part, part of the other ingredient would be language
0: mm-hmm. to, to
1: indicate that the show is sensory friendly and that uh, come as you
0: are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great, um, that's. I mean, I'm thrilled to hear that. So, so tell me a little bit about this record. This is a. This is a. Can I say that this is a concept album? Can I say that? Is that okay to say? Um, tell, tell Go me, for it. Tell me a little bit about what Night Train Fifty Seven is about. It's um. It's the story of we we do the. It's a
1: well, it's a folk opera, sensory friendly comic folk opera. And it was um, commissioned by the Kennedy Center and premiered last October. And so the three people on stage are Claudia and Uriana Sabrino, a Mexican percussion player and comic actor, and and me. And so um, so we're doing all, we're singing all the songs, playing all the instruments. And it's the story of three friends who meet in the backyard and discover uh, a manual for for a train. Um, and the manual suggests that the train can be powered by music, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of what happens. But it's also something where we the audience is a part of the deal from the very beginning, and that's...
2: And so it's established in my, my character. So I'm, I'm very much the, um, the, the musical conductor on the train too. So from the very beginning, I'm inviting people to sing with us, to dance with us, because the train doesn't move if we don't sing. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> so everyone is singing with gusto, and, and it's a beautiful thing to hear because from the very beginning, everybody is on board with us.
0: Cool, uh, that's great. So what are some of the the highlight songs? From this particular record, what are the ones that you, you. really look forward to playing and singing?
2: Um, all of them.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> <Yes>. answer. Fair <laughs> answer. <laughs> it's true.
1: The um the song Night Train Fifty Seven is a good one because that's for me. That's that's where the setting changes from a backyard with a picnic table to outer space with a oh. train. Oh yeah. So oh. There's a lot of, there's a lot of projections and. Um, you know, the whole, the energy, the energy shifts at that point, And it goes, you know, into a whole different kind of a zone. It gets more, much more psychedelic.
0: Okay, cool.
1: That's yeah. Uh...
2: I guess my favorite part. I mean, so we do have a, there's a meteor shower that takes place mm-hmm. and we have to make an emergency stop. Uh-oh. And so um, that's also really exciting too, because suddenly we're on a planet, a different planet. And we get off of the train, and um, we're we're just discovering our way around this planet. And the anticipation the kids faces when they see us on this planet, and it's like we're on this journey together. So I love looking out there and seeing their their surprised faces as we're exploring this
0: together. So cool, so cool. I love the I love the creativity. I think it's so great. Um, so, so what's coming up down the down the the pipeline for you all? Are there more shows around this this record? What's what's happening in your worlds?
1: We're getting ready now. Um, we'll be going down to back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where where Sensory Friendly first started for us. Um, we're going to take the show down there, and you know, really, we're doing you know, we're doing this just trying to speak to whoever's interested to help spread the word, not only about the show, but about sensory friendly in general. Yeah. And, um, so we just, you know, also to say that we really appreciate it, man, that you, you know, care enough about this yeah. to want to help spread the
0: word. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, I you, know, you, all, you all are hitting, uh, I mean, just to speak personally for a moment, like you're hitting a lot of, uh, the areas that I, uh, that I care about, you know, obviously music, um, I obviously love talking about music and can, can really dig into that. But in terms of like creating a a space, you know, there's that word, the word creating again, but like creating a space for kids and, and parents who may be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable or feel like, Oh, their kid's going to do something wrong or, or they need to sit, you know, like and, and, and behave, but like, Making it so the playing field is level is a really important thing to me. And um, I 100% am am with you in terms of spreading the word and and making it so that every kid can feel that they can be a part of something. And like probably equally important that uh, every parent can feel comfortable and that they're not being judged by uh, behaviors and and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I, I, I totally resonate with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, man. And, and
0: I think, thank you for saying all that. And, I, you know,
1: the point that you brought up earlier is I think probably the most difficult part of all this for us, which is to let people know that sensory friendly, as we, as we do it, mm-hmm. is an all inclusive experience. It's not the designated night for um, families who have kids on the autism spectrum, it's an experience that includes everybody. Um, and that we are all in this thing together and mm-hmm. and it's it, it's the future it's it it is the future, mm-hmm. and just like wheelchair ramps. once you see a wheelchair ramp and what that does and what kind of and how that makes it accessible for somebody, okay. you don't want to go back, you don't want to start um, working in venues that don't have them because it means that someone's not able to come to the show right. and you know its it's better when everyone can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so many levels to this, so many layers. Um, and, uh, I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll save that for the wrap, but how do we, uh, how do we keep up with you all and what you're doing? You know, is there websites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, we've got, um, we're just in the process now of switching over the com to the danandclaudia.com. Um, because it's, it feels it feels funny for me that it's you know that my names are all over all over the place, but it's um, but it is you know we're kind of switching it over, but for today.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Okay, great. Um, and then that'll point us to all of the different places that we yeah. can go. and
2: on Instagram and on Facebook, you yeah. know Dan Zanes or Claudia Eliaza, you can yeah. find my information
0: there. Cool. Well, um, so thank you both, uh, Dan. Thank you for everything in every way that you've uh, contributed and paved the way for um, so many of the people that I talk to on this podcast um, in, in the Kids and Family Music uh, I don't know what you call it, like industry genre, whatever it is that it is. But thank you, <laughs> playground, playground. <laughs> thank you, yeah, totally. Thank you for that, and um, and Claudia, thank you for for helping me understand a little bit more about what music therapy is, and for for both of you coming together to. I, I agree with what you said, Dan. Like this is pushing towards the future. This is pushing towards a way mm-hmm. to make it. Uh, make it happen for everyone all the time so yeah. so so to you both uh, thank you for taking the time with me and maybe we'll talk someday soon that would be awesome
2: yay yeah
0: thank you so much Mike it's been a real treat there it is and it was a real treat for me it was really great to talk to Dan and Claudia check out this record it's really great Um, really thoughtful as you can hear a lot of things going on and it's great that they were able to to put it together in a way that makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense for a lot of families out there because we've all, if we've had kids, we've all been in situations where it just gets to be a little bit much. I will say that honestly and truthfully about my personal family. Sometimes it gets to be a little bit much. Here is Bloom Baby Bloom from the album night train 57 by dan zanes claudia eliazza and yuriana sobrino all right talk to you very soon happy 2019